This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr. and I'm joined today by Deborah Fitzgerald, our writer, editor, everything for the Peninsula Pulse right now. Thanks for joining me, Deb. Thanks, Miles. Always happy to be here. I'm supposed to say something like that. Yeah, always yeah. happy to be here. <laughs> Not always. Yeah, Sometimes you're busy as heck and you're just like, oh, I gotta, I gotta do the podcast. <laughs> Last thing you want to do when you're in the middle of the story. But it also gives you a chance to spout off. So we'll do that a little bit. Today, we're going to cover some news items because there's been a lot of stuff happening. We're going to hit on three or four things, a little bit of Egg Harbor news, a little bit of Liberty Grove news, and then we'll see if we have any time after that. We, we tend to run long, so yeah. we might maybe we won't even hit more than two. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll see. But let's get started in Egg Harbor where, you know, when I first moved back in 2017, I think they had just put in the roundabouts in Sturgeon Bay, oh. the, the two on Highway 42 that as you enter the business district and and then the one on Michigan Street. But there was a big controversy then because, you know, nobody had a roundabout in Door County and a lot of people were like, that'll never work. Trucks won't be able to get through there. How are they going to plow that? Like all your typical first reactions. And then they put them in and you never heard boo about them again. You know, it's just been fine. And I personally like them because I'm not sitting at those stoplights that used to be at those two intersections. So there haven't been any new ones built in Door County since then. They've talked about it at the Culver's intersection, but now Egg Harbor is talking about kind of an interesting idea for roundabouts. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's really cool, but I didn't realize that you could just do a pop-up roundabout yeah. because it is a we long pop process. Pop-up dinners, we have pop-ups. Yeah. In, in every other sense, pop-up stores, why not a pop-up roundabout? Right. And basically, it is just like throwing a bunch of sand in the middle of the road <laughs> and putting straw around it and painting it. I mean, so it it just seems like a really cool idea. And so the village president, John Heller, said that they were walking that area. So it's right over by, as you're coming out of the village on Highway G, then you get to the stop sign, the first stop sign where you would go down to the beach. Okay. So the beach is on your right. There's a stop there as well. And then you have this other really weird hill trail coming down where there is a stop. And then you have what is really like Horseshoe Bay Road, but also South I think it's called South Trail. South Trail coming up on the other side. So essentially- and These what are all locked in by like- there's the bluff down to the water and yeah, the bluff above. So exactly. It's, it's just, you're really hemmed in right there. And you have five stop signs. Yeah. And they're, so, which is really weird because everybody is basically stopping because they don't know what else to tell you to do. <laughs> because it, it's also a very big intersection. Yeah. So it's not like it's a small four-way stop kind of thing. It's a big space. So somebody had mentioned to them, are you measuring to put in a pop-up roundabout? And they thought that was a fantastic idea to research. So backtrack here. They're, they're just walking that area to do what? Like the, the village board is down there just walking around. To they're looking at potential trail paths. Okay. So, and you would know about this, Miles, about the, they're looking at ways to connect 
the downtown area and further south. Yes, there's um kind of an unofficial group. Well, Egg Harbor itself has kind of a trails committee, an official like ad yeah. hoc trails committee. Susan Stauber is heading that up and has been doing some really interesting work down there to try and move this off-road trails and pedestrian connection thing forward, both with bike lanes and and pedestrian lanes. But one of the things, and I only know a little bit about this from a short conversation with her, and it's a smart one, is how do we connect the Landmark Resort to Egg Harbor without a car? Because mm. right now the Landmark Resort is located maybe a mile from the village itself. You would never know that. Maybe it's a mile. Maybe it's yeah. half a mile. Mm-hmm. And it's there's almost 300 units at the Landmark. It's the largest resort in Door County. Yet there's no real intuitive, safe way for a pedestrian, for a guest at the Landmark, to just walk or bike into town. Mm-hmm. There's a pretty steep hill right there at this intersection you're talking about. There's no shoulder. So you're actually, you think of all the th- times we talk about congestion in, in the village. There's a trail that goes right after that intersection, but no further. Mm-hmm. And technically, that trail doesn't even connect to the Alpine Resort, which is right there. It doesn't. So you're intrinsically motivating everybody to use their car to go the half mile or a mile into your village. Just which, to coast down the hill. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yep. That's what you're doing. So that's what Susan Stauber, and I think probably what the village was having not been there, but I assume that's what they were looking at. That is what they were looking okay. at because he did mention Susan. And she thought that this pop-up roundabout was a fantastic idea. So they were measuring or doing some kind of scoping out. And that's when a passerby just happened to say, hey, are you looking at putting a roundabout in here? (laughs) So they decided to research it and found that it is happening in communities not on state roads like, you know, where they're looking at for the Culver's intersection, which would cost like $2 million and is mm-hmm. going to take, what, three years. So instead, these are for small, like, circulator routes, which that certainly is because five different directions essentially are feeding into this one intersection. And you, you know, basically draw a circle, you mount it up, you get one of those big straw things to put around it, you paint it, you get put some signs up there, and voila, you have a pop-up roundabout. It's a great idea. And I've never heard of someone mention that. It's kind of one of those things that you intuitively are like, well, is that legal to just put stuff in the road? <laughs> right. I know. That's the thing. They do have to get the permission from the county of Door because, of course, it's a county road. Highway G is a county road. Yeah. So they do have to get that permission. But they got these photos, and we do have a we have this up online, and it's in this week's paper, the story on this. But they got it from uh, Better Block Recipes, which is kind of a cool website if you've never been to it. I had never been to it. And it just shows like all of these, it's kind of like this amalgamation of different things that different communities are doing. And in this case, to calm traffic and especially in areas where there are no sidewalks. And this is what that area is. I mean, there are zero sidewalks and very little, even like a shoulder. There's not much wiggle room there at all. And that intersection, you know, for, for the winter, it's who cares? You're, you're almost always the only car at a stop sign there. But in the summer, that is a cluster. I mean, it is just, you have all the people going down to the beach. You have people taking the, you know, mostly locals who take South Trail as a way around some of the, the mess downtown. And then I shouldn't say mess, just just a way around town. Sure. And then you have all those people from the Landmark Resort 
and all the people going to Landmark who are providing services and goods for the Landmark and this restaurant up there. So it's just a, and like you said, like the one, the one stop sign, people coming up are sitting at a very steep hill looking up. Mm-hmm. The weather stop sign, they're at the bottom of a very steep hill coming down. Your sight lines are bad. Very I've, bad. If you're coming from South Trail, you have to go way past the stop sign, yeah. even to see if there's somebody going south. And it's the ultimate Wisconsin intersection because nobody knows if they should be going or not right. or if the other person has the right of way. So you have a lot of the, oh, it, no, you, yeah. no, you go. <laughs> like, no, you stop first. No, right. you go. Just you go. And so we'll, we'll just all be safe. Yeah. I don't care if I was here for five minutes. You <laughs> go first. We're good. So there's a lot of that inching out into the intersection. So. When you first mentioned this to me, I was like, wow, they should do they should do that at shipwrecked intersection. They should do this. Right. I'm, I'm thinking of Sister Bay going, we should try these things in more communities. And I almost, you know, a, a, like a take a slower fall or spring weekend and do pop-up roundabouts and say like four or five different major intersections might be an interesting wave to, to evaluate better ways of, of doing this because- mm-hmm. If you, if you step back and just assume, hey, the way we do our roads is probably not the best. And I think anybody who's ever come down the hill in Fish Creek would say, and sat at that intersection and tried to figure out who's supposed to go, would say, well, this can't possibly be the best one, but we haven't figured that out for 40 years. So things like this, these little trial runs, it's a pretty interesting idea. I, right. I hope they try it. And it also made me think the shipwrecked intersection is, because that is so much pavement there mm-hmm. and it's going to get even wider probably because of that center turn lane that they're putting in. It's probably going to look wider for sure. Yeah. It does seem like a spot where I'm like, gosh, I wonder if a roundabout would fit there. And since it's a, what is that? A 30 mile an hour zone? Yes. And uh, actually, is it 25? I don't know. Maybe it's 25. When they did, uh, a couple of people did bring that up during those public hearings for the highway redevelopment project. And it was basically just kind of dismissed out of hand. So hmm. I think that's probably because the state's process for putting it in a roundabout, which I've received information on because of the one at Culver's. I mean, it's kind of a long process. Yeah. So it could have been that, you know, we're not going to start down that road, you know. Maybe. So I don't know. Although it's been a 10-year process for Egg Harbor. Right? <laughs> I think How they were originally supposed to be? redo the highway in, I think it, it might have been like 2015 was the original timeline. Now, that's that's the case for every, like the DOT, when they put out their timelines and say, yeah, we, we're planning on doing your your town in 2016. I'm sure the DOT knows that'll actually be 2018 or 19 mm-hmm. in a best case scenario. But in Egg Harbor's case, it's just they have actively delayed it several times to do some of these other projects like County G and things first. Right. So, and then the dwarf, dwarf Lake Iris, you know, right. you know, one. I mean, yeah, so there were just different things. Yeah. So, anyway, well, that's where it's at. What's the next step there? They, so they, they have, have to, to talk, the, go ahead. Yeah. They have to talk with the County. Um, okay. so to find out if they can proceed with it and they would start it in the spring if, you know, if they could do that. It was really kind of funny because the way that it was introduced, you know, at the meeting, all of the trustees were were very, very enthusiastic about this idea. And Megan Sawyer, who is the village administrator, she's like, all right, all right, we just need to hold on a little. We need to make sure that the county is going to go on, Mm. you know, going to be on board with this. And if they are, they're talking spring. And it says on this Better Block Recipes, you know, website, that it only costs between seventy-five and a thousand dollars. Now, a thousand dollars, I imagine, is a pretty high-end one, like better paint or something, or, or maybe to pay someone to sit there. Yeah, right? oh, yeah, well, that might be it. Or, or to 
put it together it could yeah. be too but it relatively inexpensive and so you know might be there for the spring and there's an example of this actually now that i'm thinking of it bottom of the hairpin in fish creek where they put in that oh, turnaround right which isn't really a roundabout in the classic like four four-way stop intersection type it's of roundabout not. but it just allows for vehicle turnaround at the end and yeah that that seems like it would fit in that same footprint but yeah, it function, and it functions essentially the same. Of course, theirs is all paver brick and beautiful mm-hmm. and landscaped and everything. So that's not temporary for sure. But yeah, it's not a classic roundabout, but it is definitely, it functions like that. That's why we had it in the repulse. Well, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I encourage officials in the village of Egg Harbor to just take a drive down Cottage Row. Yeah, <laughs> it's a nice drive anyway. It is. What, what are you losing? Well, we're going to take a short break. And then when we come back, we're going to hit another Egg Harbor topic where all the boats are just floating away into the sea. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kewanee counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. And we're back. Deb, back to Egg Harbor. You covered another story down there that's really surprising to me as I read it and probably will be surprising to a lot of people in the village. Basically, there's big problems with the marina. Yeah. And it all happened uh, August 3rd. I guess there was a wind event and it busted the chains on their floating dock system because their marina is on a floating dock system busted a bunch of chains and shifted the entire dock system about 10 feet. Hmm, that much. Yeah. So, I mean, and the boats are still, you know, tied up. So everything just kind of drifted away. And, you know, I did talk with Mike Carr, who is, you know, an engineer and a marine contractor local and he said that, you know, if if it had been a longer event, if the wind event had been longer, you know, those boats could have been on the beach. So it could have been a lot more serious. There was no damage to any of the boats. And none of them actually did float away. Like I said, yeah. <laughs> correct. And aside from, you know, the serious problems that they are having with the marina, there was no damage caused by that actual event. Okay. But so they did contact Mike Carr. He came out, he used a tug, pushed it back in, and then he used rope to tether the marine system to some jetty rock. So if you go down there, you'll see these, you know, ropes that are kind of just, you know, holding the dock in place. So if for those familiar or unfamiliar, like the Egg Harbor Marina is built with a, a break wall L around the outside. The interior portion is the floating dock portion that you're speaking about. And that is, you know, where a lot of these boats tie up to. And reading your article, it sounds like part of this is kind of the shift in this Egg Harbor Marina from being a sailboat marina to a powerboat marina. Yeah, apparently the, I I don't know if that's, Scientific. Or if that's what caused it. But certainly when they're talking about solutions, that's what they are considering. Because when they built it, so they permitted this marina in 2009, and they thought a year-round floating dock system 
would be good for the village because it was largely a sailboat community. So the floating dock system is basically floats with wood on top. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what it is. And it's tethered by chain to these pilings underwater. So they figured that this would be, you know, a perfect system. But now there are more power boats than there were back then. That was 2010 when the marina opened. So there were way more power boats and they're way bigger. So they actually have had up to a 90 foot yacht at their fuel pump and they are able on their slips to take up to 50 footers, but they, you know, can easily accommodate 75 feet. So the boats are tremendously larger Mm. than a sailboat. So that would be something that they would need to consider as they move forward. Now, What happened here is that their chains, the chains, there are 33 chains, eight of them busted. They were completely corroded. So they get dive inspections done of this marina, and it never surfaced that these chains were failing. Hmm. So the fact that this wind event, so the fact that they just busted apart because they were so corroded is part of the mystery. The engineering apparently happened in the last six months, I guess, (laughs) just really quickly. So it could have happened. That's another part of the story. The dive inspections and how many of the chains are actually inspected. I mean, this is like 5,000 feet of chain. Yeah, that kind of thing. So Edgewater Resources, which is the engineering company that they hired to help them, you know, find solutions for this problem. They are theorizing or hypothesizing that there is some kind of biological reason for the chain corrosion, that it's happening in other marinas around the Great Lakes where steel plates and steel chains are corroding way, 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 way faster than they should be. And they believe that it could actually be something to do with the zebra mussels, which are clinging to all of the chains. And so like when you bring them up, it's just covered with zebra mussels. So it could be some of their emissions. Now, this is not a proven hypothesis. Yeah. This is only a hypothesis at this point. So, but that's what they are thinking is that that's what corroded the chain so much. Regardless, the chain is now corroded. So the village has taken the step of closing the marina. That means that the boaters that are there do need to leave as soon as possible and certainly before work begins to replace the chains. Hmm. And they're not even allowing transient traffic for Pumpkin Patch, which apparently is a big deal. Um, So all of the, uh, you know, marine tenants need to leave They will be replacing the chains as the short-term solution, potentially. I mean, they haven't made that decision yet, but that's what they're looking at. They're looking at bigger chains. And if it's true that it's a biological factor that is causing a faster corrosion of the steel, they will then have to save every, you know, year to actually come up with the amount of money that it's going to take to replace the chains. So they don't know that yet. And probably spend more on inspections, I would take it, after this. Well, right. The other thing that they could be looking at is designing a different type of marina, Hmm. securing the floating system in a different way, which my car said there were options. He's going to be working with them on the various options. So that's the longer-term solution. The short-term solution is to get the boats vacated to get the chains replaced or some kind of stabilization 
and then work on a longer term solution. Well, if I'm a marina manager elsewhere in the county, I am uh, trying to get a diver down to check out my own chains as soon as I can. I asked Mike about other floating systems in Door County, and apparently there are a couple of floating private systems, but not the major marinas. Okay. Fish Creek, Sister Bay, they are not floating marinas as I understand. As I understand it, they... Yeah, that strikes me as right. Like Sister Bay, I think they're all, I don't know what you'd call those, more solid piers. Yeah, they have steel pilings that secure them or stabilize them, something. Clearly, I don't have the marine No, <laughs> neither do I, but, already, but. <laughs> but you know, we become mini experts for five yeah. minutes as yep. the story requires. <laughs> so you dive deep into a topic and then and, you resurface with all these facts. leave it and facts. never come back. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's pretty interesting because, you know, that's a, like I said, it's a, I guess I'm thinking, I still think of it as a brand new doc, but it is 13 years old now. So. Well, um, relatively speaking, sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of time. That's not much time to pass. These chains were supposed to last 70 years. Yeah, that's a little short. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> as an aside, not super germane to the story, but when I read that, that quote in the story about it being primarily a sailing marina versus now more powerboats, the sound I hear when I think in my head of the Egg Harbor Marina comes from when I was a kid and I'd go down there and, and we'd have a picnic down there as a family or something, or just sit there on the docks with my sisters. And I just remember, I distinctly just hear the pinging of the, the way a sailboat rocks back and oh, forth. Sure. And there's like a, I don't know if it's actually a bell or like whatever, the, the metal. Like the on the top. Yeah. Yes. And that little ding, 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 ding. And that is sort of like that and seagulls is mm-hmm. like this sound that I distinctly re- recall from my childhood. And now, if I if I picture going down there over the last few years, you just that's not as common. It used to be, and I think I have an old picture. It's like every boat was a sailboat then. Mm. Now there might be in most of the marinas up here, there might be a handful. I don't of know. I mean, I went to take photos of it so I could kind of see what they were, you know, talking about. And if there were a sailboat there, I didn't see it. Yeah, I wonder what that that that's a whole other story. We'll have to look into that yeah. transition from you know, being a largely sailing community to largely powerboat. I don't know how to do either kind of boat, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did, I did used to sail when I was a kid, but I haven't, I don't sail as an adult, but I do, I do love being on the water on other people's sailboats. <laughs> yeah, other people's boats, friends yes. with boats. Right. All right, we have one more topic I think we have time to cover today, Deb, and this one is about dogs. Everybody yes. loves dogs. Right. Everybody has an opinion about whether or not dogs should be on or off leash at places where signs say that dogs <laughs> that dogs are allowed. I don't actually know any places except for a dog park where it says that you can just let your dog run free, right? There aren't any parks that allow that. You know, not that I can think of except, you know, maybe there's a portion of Whitefish Dune State Park that's kind of like a dog beach. Oh, where, like a legal dog beach? Like yes. they say, let your dogs run wild? I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. If okay. I'm not, I'm sure someone's going to let me know. <laughs> but which I, you know, if it's a dog beach, I guess you can have them off leash. But most parks, and we run into this with the Door County Half Marathon, when people want to bring their dogs to the race, we don't allow dogs on the course, mainly because you don't want a, the risk of a dog like lashing out at somebody as they're running mm. by and like biting them. And everybody thinks their dog is not going to do never going to do that until right. they do that. Right. Oh, that never happens. Well, no, no, because you don't expose them to that. But in any case, myself included, I'm a dog owner who 
would not take my dog into a race. But then you also have limitations on where you can take a dog in the park and where to have to be on leash versus off leash and things like that. But anyway, in Liberty Grove, what happened is I saw this on the agenda, and I think you saw it too, and we're like, oh, what is dogs in parks all about? And there was a discussion. Apparently, there was a complaint to the town that I believe the phrase they used was, dogs are running amok in Hotes Park in Ellison Bay. And And where is that? Is that really at the very top of the peninsula? So Hotes Park is, it's a town park surrounded by a state park. Oh, it's a kind of like whitefish dunes cave. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Same sort of thing where you have like the, the general public doesn't know the difference. Right. Sure. But you know, for municipal purposes and for caretaking purposes, there's Hodes Memorial Park is a town park that has a beach and a little picnic area and a bathroom. To the north of it is what people commonly refer to as Europe Bay Beach. That's part of Newport State Park. To the south of it is the rest of Newport State Park. To the west of it is Newport State Park. So it's totally hemmed in by Newport State Park. And then there's actually a Hoats Trail that's part of Newport State Park, but that's separate from the town park. Okay. That's called Ferdinand Hoats Park. Okay. So there's a lot of like <laughs> things that like the general public, and there's a road that pulls up and to your right, it's Hoats Park. To your left is the state park. Now, Liberty Grove has a sign there that says no dogs. No dogs at all. No dogs. Okay. So this person is complaining that there are dogs running amok in there, and there, and then the, this parks committee in Liberty Grove is talking about it. Well, yeah, we don't, we don't want dogs there because we don't want dogs in the picnic areas bothering people. And then they pull up their ordinances, and their ordinance says dogs allowed in all town parks as long as they're on a leash. Then why do they have the sign there? They have signage that conflicts with their own ordinance, and they, you know, in this meeting, they're like, I don't know how this happened, but then Kathy. Kathy Ward did her due diligence as a, a town board member and the chair of the parks committee and went out and just visited a bunch of the town parks. And she said, sure enough, we have these signs that At say no park. dogs, oh. but our ordinance says the dogs are allowed. Hmm. So this person had complained about dogs running amok, but actually the result of it ended up being that the town was like, actually, we got to change that sign because dogs are allowed there. Hmm. Kind of random thing, but they are supposed to be on a leash. A lot of people go to Europe Bay Beach and Hotes Park and those trails up there because it's less traveled and that is a place where they feel comfortable letting their dog off a leash. Full disclosure, I am one of those people. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a sand um, beach, a big you, expanse, you know, you know you water pull up there. And you see one other car and nobody else there. You're like, all right, I'll let my dog run. Mm-hmm. And because there are very few places to really let them do that. And, you know, if you hear someone coming, you call your dog back and you put them on, but you have to be one of those lucky people who dog, whose dog comes, comes back, back and listens. Right. And that's full disclosure again. That's not always my <laughs> dog either. So it is kind of like this secret spot for locals. Sorry, I know I'm, I have some friends are going to call me not out for even mentioning that. Yep. <laughs> um, half my life is getting yelled at by my friends for disclosing some of these things. But the other weird thing about this, so you have this park in the middle. The DNR has their own rules for parks and, what are and beaches. There is dogs allowed in that particular area, dogs allowed on a leash. Okay. On the beach, they all they still have to be on a leash, all these things. So then you had the town saying, no dogs here. If you're walking, and I, I mentioned this in the meeting, I said, just so you all know, like people aren't being bad people by disobeying this rule. The only people who know the difference between the town park and the state park 
are probably this committee and maybe like 20 other residents of Liberty Grove, right? Like most people would have no idea. The beach is contiguous. There's not a big sign. There's no barrier. There's nothing. Even the town sign is not, there's nothing that's like you are exiting state park and you are now on town park and like the rules are different here. Yeah. I think you're being generous saying that 20 <laughs> people would know. Yeah. I mean, probably just, only a surveyor. Yeah. It all feels like the same yeah. thing. And you might just be coming from Hoach Trail into Hoach Park. And they're like, yeah, this all must be the same, right? It's terrible naming <laughs> things going yeah. on up there. But I guess it's also been a bit of an issue at Sand Bay. And I've heard this from a couple towns where uh, communities in Northern Door where someone has said there's been a, a dog issue or dogs are being, there's been incidents. And then you ask, well, how many? Well, this, this one. Okay, if it's me, I'm probably not like convening a special discussion about one complaint. Mm. And it's kind of interesting. It's kind of that policy by anecdote thing that I think gets a lot of towns spending a lot of time on things that maybe don't rise to the level of the top priority Mm. because somebody brings something up and one person's definition of a vicious dog is another person's like, oh, it's cool. They just jumped on me, you know, like, and I get it like a dog, you know, like we should all control our dogs so they don't do those sorts of things. But yeah, um, yeah, it becomes this whole some people just hate dogs. Some people love dogs and think they should be everywhere. They never think their dog is bad. Everybody does have an opinion, I think. I think they fall one side or the other. If you don't have dogs, it generally means that you don't like dogs. That's not me. I just have not gotten an, another dog because, you know, my 17-year-old died, and as dogs do, and it's hard to replace a 17-year-old. It's yeah. like raising a kid, you know, until they're 17. And then going back to the very beginning. And like, yeah, right, right. <laughs> So it's very hard. Plus I'm pretty busy. So, but anyway, I love dogs, but I think that there are people who look at parks that have signs that say no dogs and they expect to be able to have a dog free experience when they walk. So I think that also town members are so accustomed to nobody ever engaging with them on anything that if somebody brings up anything, I, as a town board supervisor, am putting it on the agenda yeah, right. so we can talk about it. Yep. Because most people are pretty disengaged yeah. with the whole process. So if one person brings it up, then that probably means that there are several others that are thinking about it. I use that, the rule of 10. If we get one letter to the editor, that means that there are probably 10 other people who are thinking that exact same thing. Yeah. So they could probably be thinking something like that. All right. I mean, I mean, I think I would, if I yeah. were a town board supervisor, I'd bring it up, but I don't know that I would change policy <laughs> because one person complained. Yeah. I might put it down like, all right, let's keep an eye out. Let us know when you hear more. Yeah. But this turned out good. Yeah. For dog, for owners. dog owners. You know, your rule of 10, you could almost flip that into a, a different way and say like a new rule of 10. If you bring 10 people to talk about any one topic, your odds of changing something are probably pretty good because you and I go to a lot of these meetings. Absolutely. Very rarely are there more than 10 people even in the room, let alone speaking on behalf of any one topic or advocating for any one policy. Yeah. I mean, maybe, you know, recently the STR stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of people on both sides who are showing up there. And off the top of my head, like nothing else pops in. Like, I think the of- The Village Hall in Sister Bay. That yeah. was a big one. And that's almost a year ago now. Yeah. So. And there was, uh, this is, you know, really curious, but at the county's highway and facilities meeting last week, it wasn't on the agenda, but there were all of these letters in the packet asking the county of Door to buy the golf course on Washington Island. Really? Yes. So apparently this golf course is closing as a golf course and it's the only golf course 
on Washington yeah, Island. Yeah, that's Deer Run. Yeah. Deer Run. So all of these letters, these people were asking the county to please consider buying this golf course so they would continue to have golf on the island because if they don't buy it, then there will be no golf on the island. So Craig Sterrett, who covers golf for us, is actually looking into this story. But that is a good idea of, I think that there were maybe five or six letters. So that is huge. Yeah. That means that this is a really big deal for people. Five or six letters. <laughs> yeah, right. So so the county could buy a golf course because five or six people wrote a letter. Yep. And that's really, I mean, I, I, you're just, this is the first I've heard of it. So thinking about this, because that was purchased by the same folks who bought Mezzanine oh. in Egg Harbor. That was purchased two years ago. And you know, Deer Run has always been, there's only so many people golfing on the island. You have a kind of finite clientele to pull from. I know a lot of people from the mainland in Sister Bay and stuff would go annually over there for what they would call the Overseas Open. Oh, and interesting. And go to the Washington Island and golf. But yeah, that'll be one to follow. I, yeah, I'd be surprised if the county took it up, but maybe the numbers would somehow even out that they could do it. But man, golf courses don't seem like a, a super... I mean, it, there are public courses around the country, but a public course on an isolated island seems like a, a tough one to make the numbers work out on, but... That'd not be, a good investment. I'm I'm very interested to see what Craig learns. Yeah, they did not have it on the agenda. It didn't take up that issue, but that's not to say that they won't in the future. Mm -hmm. So Craig is definitely looking at it. But there were several things on that agenda that produced letters. There was Bayshore Drive and the speed limit there and the reduction of that speed limit or the recommendation. And then there was the flag issue. And there were more letters for the golf course. Hmm. Then and and the flag, those two issues you're talking about, the flag issue is a discussion of what is an official flag policy for what flags can be f flown on county buildings, right? Exactly. For county flagpoles, what flags can be flown. And the resolution that did pass and that's going to the county board next week would only allow the American flag, the state flag, the county flag, and military flags. And mm -hmm. that's only if there are, if there's only one flagpole, then it would only be the American flag. If there were two, that would be the American and county, three, American county state, and four, there would be military flags like prisoner of war and other flags that were allowed to be flown. And let's cut to the chase. It's all about the pride flag. It is. And that's when it came up. And yep. I, it didn't come up that month. It came up because two supervisors received complaints about the flag, the pride flag being flown on county property at county flagpoles. And so they looked into it and found out that the county doesn't indeed have a flag policy. So they decided that we need a flag policy and that's the flag policy that they decided. They are sending it to the full county board. That doesn't mean it's gonna pass the full county board, but they are sending it there. So next week, next Tuesday. Now, the other one you just mentioned, since you brought it up, the speed on Bayshore Drive. Yes. So you live on this I do. Of road. So is this your pet issue? It is exactly <laughs> my pet. No. <laughs> I happen to live on Bayshore Drive, and I also happen to live on one of the stretches that are 45 miles per hour. So it is worse along in front of my house than it is on, you know, for some. I'm north of Little Harbor. And up to Little Harbor, coming out of the city, it is 35 miles per hour, 
but then shortly after that, it changes to 45 miles per hour, and then it changes to 40 miles per hour around certain curves, and then it goes back to 45, and then it goes back to 35 as you're going. So <laughs> it is all over the place on Bayshore Drive. So I was not, in fact, responsible for the speed study that they did on Bayshore Drive, but there were plenty of people who have been writing letters about it. Or are you the speeder that I was, got well, other people fired up? See, the problem is now I'm not going to take Bayshore Drive anymore <laughs> because I'm certainly not going to go 35 miles an hour for the length of that road <laughs> to get. But, I mean, I definitely, there are people who go way, way, way too fast. And there's yeah. so much traffic on Bayshore Drive pedestrian traffic, biking traffic, there's lawn vehicles all over, but there's not big shoulders. There's not big shoulders. It's really windy. And so the highway committee did recommend lowering the speed for the entire length of Bayshore Drive between Little Harbor and Egg Harbor to 35. But that has to go back to the committee in the form of a resolution next month, and then it will go to the county board. And just for clarification, just to, to paint the picture of your lifestyle, you are on the landward side of Bayshore Drive, not I the am. waterfront side. Exactly. Totally yes, I am um, on. I I think our house is the only one that faces the road and says, hi, look inside our house. <laughs> so we are very highly visible. We're on the wrong side of the road, yeah. <laughs> as you could say. You're one of those little people on the yes, other side. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Looking, um, looking through the trees at the sun over the water that we know is there. <laughs> seasonal water views. never gaining access <laughs> yeah. always um, on the outside looking in <laughs> <laughs> your poor poor life the, since you brought it up yeah <laughs> your envy coming up there was something else I was well, you were say. gonna oh, go there. so there's not like much of a shoulder there and you brought up a point the other day is one of the things that happens on on roads like that where you have in this case a lot of waterfront property owners is you have a lot of people who have landscapers who come to their property there's nowhere for them to park. So they more or less just park in the lane, like barely onto the shoulder because there is not much of a shoulder there, correct? Right. And that was one thing that Tad Ash, who is the highway commissioner, he brought that up and said, you know, these landscape trucks are not even supposed to be parked on the side of the road. And not only do they park on one side of the road, but there are normally two of them. And so the other one parks on the other side of the road. So you're creating a real traffic jam there. I don't understand personally why they can't just pull into the person's driveway. Like I see them all the time and they're outside of these houses that have really long driveways. Yeah. So I don't understand why they can't just pull onto the driveway, but they don't. Maybe they're not allowed. Well, maybe they're as bad at backing up a trailer as I am, in which case maybe they're just afraid to, to well, pull in and then have to back onto the yeah, road. Yeah, it could be. It could, could be. be that. Yes. But regardless... Struggling to back up a trailer is still safer than an accident on a 45-mile-an-hour road around a curve. And so, they're always there. Always. Yeah. I mean, I travel that all the time. So, And you see that a lot with construction vehicles. And yep. Cottage Row had struggled with that for a while. Seems, sure. Well, every time you think the construction on Cottage Row is done, there's another. You're like, that house was just built. Are you tearing it down? Anyway, yeah. there's a whole other discussion. Yes. But, uh, so we got a lot speed of stuff in. likely to come down on that road. Yes. Well, yeah. that's going to be the recommendation. Okay. And I can't imagine the county board of supervisors saying no to that unless it's a road they travel and like me don't want to go 35 <laughs> miles an hour. But <laughs> we'll see. Might carry a lot of weight. Yes. All right. Well, Deb, thanks. We covered a lot of topics. I'll a couple say. that we didn't intend to, but I'm glad we did. 
And uh, I'm sure we'll be back at it again next week with some news. Probably next Friday. Try and stick to this schedule. Friday news. Yes. Wednesday interviews. That's a good idea. Yeah. Let's do that. I let's love have that a plan idea. for this. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. And uh, thanks again to all the listeners, as always, for tuning in. And you'll be hearing from us again very soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.